This is Sports World. As we welcome in Trent Copeland, who joins us here on Sports World. Welcome, Trent. Hello, Jess. How are we? Yeah, we're going really well. How about you, mate? Uh, must be on top of the world after rolling the WA boys, of course. Yeah, always nice to go over to Perth and, and get the points. It's a tough place to travel and, and win. So, yeah, very excited. i got the red eye home, though, so I'm a little under the weather. Uh, Trent, Kim Hagdorn here. Uh, we were keen to try and talk to someone who's got a bit of awareness. I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Experienced cricketer, smart bowler, very smart bowler, can bowl long periods of time. So there's a few issues around about uh, bowling and bowlers themselves. But how would you sum up how you would have to bowl on the stadium pitch now if you were going back there for the test match? Uh, well, what I'm going to be very interested to see is how they prepare the wicket for the yep. test, given that it's you know, five-day match. Um, this wicket that we played on, there was, uh, you know, the Wackers won the toss and sent us in, given that there was a bit of live grass on it. Um, but the characteristics of the Wacker were actually pretty similar to uh, this wicket in terms mm-hmm. of it was fast, it was bouncy. Uh, there were a lot of wickets, uh, LB bowled and caught behind the stumps. So I think it's, you know, traditionally very similar to how you would get guys out of the Wacker. But one thing that needs to probably um, you know be looked at was there was a little you know bit of divots that were in there from a softish day one pitch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that hardened up as the game went on and made it sort of you know a little bit up and down bounce if you got caught either side of the divots with the seam. So um, yeah, I mean uh, I liked bowling there. It was it was good fun. I thought Jai Richardson was outstanding with the ball for the Whackers. Mm. Um, and guys who put the ball in the right area for long enough got rewards. So when you say the divot, so that, that, that can perhaps explain why the ball did nip around. You talk about the modes of dismissal, uh, nicking behind, nicking into the pads, a couple chopped on from nipping around, and, and yourself and Jai in particular got a couple to nip right back towards pads as batters even let, trying to let them go. So you're saying that's not so much from the grass, it's more from divots left uh, there from day one. Well, yeah, no, more so the up and down it was to do with the divots. The mm-hmm. sideways movement is still yeah. generally either the cracks that were there, which is very similar to the Wacker. Uh, day three and four, the cracks have started to open up, which is fantastic. That's what the Wacker's all about, um, you know, dealing with that as a batter and how it feels mentally to know the ball could just roll every now and then. Uh, but the divots, I think, were um, just up and, you know, challenge guys to be able to commit forward and things like that. But the sideways movement, I think, was still there if you presented a nice seam, um, you know, or you bowled a scrambled seam ball that went across the left-handers and things like that. So I think what it did, it was re- rewarded the guys who bowled really well and, you know, even Nathan Lyon proved what a class bowler he is. Um, you know, there wasn't much spin on offer, but a bit of craft and a bit of guile with his flight, um, and it made it hard for the Wacker boys to score. Trent, Brad Hardy, good to chat. Um, your story's an interesting one because it wasn't that long ago that you were a wicketkeeper batsman, <laughs> and then you turned into a bowler. Tell us about that involvement. And now I can't hit one off a square. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was one of those things where uh, coming up and, and playing, my avenue to playing senior cricket was being a wicketkeeper um, and, you know, being a young guy that could catch and, you know, was a pretty agile, albeit tall and string beanie like I am now, um, and, and getting in the side as a batsman. And, and then when I first moved to Sydney, it was all about that, um, all the pathway stuff. And then I just broke too many fingers. But honestly, I was giving it away because I thought there was no real pathway. In those days, the keeper in second grade and first grade they basically had to be at a wedding or not or retire for you to get a game in the grade above, no matter how many runs you were scoring. So 
it was a bit of a decision to go, you know what, it's not about bowling, but I'll just give it away, go for the six batting spots in the grade above and, and see how it goes. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, hounding everyone for a bowl. And I guess, unlike most wicket keepers, I was six foot five. So I had a bit of a leg up over the four foot two guys that, <laughs> that want to do it. Trent, what's your view on modern day batsman as a very experienced bowler, uh, now 32 year old, who regularly picks up your handful of wickets in every inning. So you're a patient bowler, very accurate. It's a critical factor as a bowler. But what's your attitude towards the modern-day batsman that's being produced by our, by our Pathways programs? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, that's a, that's, I could talk for hours on this uh, and, you know, my stance on you know, where things are at. But mm-hmm. I think in summary and in short, uh, we are producing... Pathways cricket at the moment, there is only white ball cricket. Um, there's a big focus on, you know... The Big Bash is such a fantastic product for cricket in this country and around the world. Uh, and no doubt kids are aspiring to be the Chris Wins of the world and things like that. But uh, the one thing that I notice is that forward defences uh, and the ability to keep out you know, prolonged periods of good bowling are getting maybe slightly less uh, significant in terms of guys' priorities. Um, but, you know, that's part and parcel of trying to be a three-format cricketer. And if you're a batsman these days and you can't hit the ball out of the ground, you're probably leaving yourself short. So mm. uh, that's maybe a, a little takeaway that I've found, and particularly, you know, for someone like myself, it's come this first Shield game after the Big Bash break where guys have been for two months programming in hitting a length ball out of the ground. Mm. Uh, you know, my, my you know, whole game plan, and I'm sure this is no secret to the guys who might be listening, you know, you bowl a good length and guys who have been trying to hit it out of the park all of a sudden have to try and either let that go or make a late decision to play a forward defence and it's it's hard work changing between formats. So it's challenging. And you're very close to the big guns at New South Wales. Uh, uh, the three big quick start, Cummins and Hazelwood. In my opinion, they should have played the Sheffield Shield match here just finished uh, for more refinement and, and uh, good conditioning towards being able to bowl accurately for long periods of time. What's your attitude to the modern day you know, uh, process of elite level performance uh, players being managed out of games and being allowed to rest as opposed to bowling? Yeah, look, it's a hard one. I think given the age and, and the guys that are, you're referring to there in particular, uh, you know, a lot of it is do they feel ready? And they, having played a lot of test cricket, understand what that feels like. And there's a bit of a communication pattern between you know, physios, S&Cs, selectors, uh, and obviously the coaching staff and captain that, you know, okay, are you guys ready? And I think the answer was yes. And all three of them bowled outstandingly well in Canberra last week so uh, I just would like to add on the you know overarching aspect of that I'd love to see guys bowling more in grey cricket and the levels below when they are younger um, because I think that's where you learn uh, Mike Whitney was in Perth last night and he managed to uh, he gave me a buzz came and had a beer with us to celebrate the win in Perth uh, but talking to him about things like that it was you know when I wasn't playing for the Blues I was back bowling 30 overs for Randwick Peterson mm. and trying to dominate and I think no, there's a lot to be said about um, you know actually being able to dominate the levels below, um, and you know workloads obviously are there for a reason. We don't want people getting injured, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. There's a, a bit of a premise there where I'd love to see guys learn their craft, go go back, score big hundreds, and and take big fifers for their grade clubs. So Trent, clear something up for us. We we hear the noises. How many balls are you allowed to bowl per net session? 
Uh, me, personally, I bowl as many as I want to bowl because I'm a guy that bowls 30 overs in a day of shield cricket, uh, you know, 60 overs in a game of shield cricket and have been able to withstand that for a while. Guys who have never done that, there is a little bit of a guideline there. Uh, there's this thing called a chronic workload uh, and it spits out a number that, you know, over uh, any period of time you can see your spike in workloads, how many balls you bowl. But I would say the average is between 36 to 48 balls in about a 45 to an hour worth of bowling, um, you know, through a rotation of, you know, we've got a squad of about 25 guys in New South Wales. So that's a traditional, you know, Monday net session would be about that for the guys that are between the ages of 18 and 35. Thanks for your time, mate. Nice insight. Good to chat. No worries. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Trent.